again and welcome to Wired to Wire with Nolan RECC. I'm Communications Manager Sarah Fellows and with me again is President and CEO Greg Lee. Good Pardon. to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for uh, joining me again for our conversation. Um, I'm really excited about the topic today because not only is it something that's relevant uh, really to what's going on in the world, uh, but also this is, was member submitted. We had a member that actually asked us to talk about this. So uh, we definitely want to you know, make sure that that's what we're using this platform for. And I also want to encourage our members that if they have topics, make sure and let us know because we definitely want to hear from them about that. So um, I have a safety moment before we get kicked off uh, because it's summer and I don't know about you, I love the lake. We go to Kentucky Lake uh, during the summer and, you know, people have pools and that kind of thing. And obviously electricity and safety, and, excuse me, electricity and water just don't mix. So just as a reminder for everyone to keep electronics far away from the water, uh, the recommended distance is at least 10 feet, um, mm -hmm. but obviously they need to be careful about radios and phone chargers and things like that when they're anywhere close to the water. So. And whether it is uh, by a pool, in a bathroom, anything of that nature, it be a good time to double check and make sure that you have uh, GFCI protected outlets right. in those locations because in the unfortunate occurrence that there is some kind of electrical contact, that is a safety provision that could in fact save someone's life if, if that stuff is in place. So uh, if you got any questions, call an electrician. They will right. be able to help you with that. That's right. All right. Well, we're today's topic is grid security. Um, and again, that's it's a topic that's been in the news. Um, you know, we've had some national events and things that I think people are, are maybe talking about it a little bit more. And so we really wanted to dive into that today to help our members understand what is what is the grid, what is grid security, and how do we take it, uh, obviously we take it seriously, and what do we do about that. So um, I, if you could just start us out, because everyone's probably heard the phrase the grid, uh, but can you explain a little bit about what is the grid? What does that even mean? Yeah, I think, I think that for most people, uh, the grid just is a term that represents the electrical supply chain across the United States. Uh, sometimes those of us who are in the utility industry, it means a little bit different stuff to us than it does the public at large. Uh, but I, I think that the supply chain as a whole is really what most people are, are accounting for. So um, lots of times in like movies that have, you know, cybersecurity attacks or terrorist attacks, uh, there's references to, you know, the grid's going to be shut down and there'll be some big, you know, um, monitor screen taking up an entire wall and it, you know, shows a, a map of the United States and there's three big interconnections and, you know, a terrorist will shut one of them down and, and then, you know, yeah, then somebody has to come in and save the day and stop the bad guys. Well, there's a little bit of truth to that. There are, in fact, three major interconnects in the United States. There's the Eastern Interconnect, the Western Interconnect, and the Texas Interconnect, which is, uh, to a large extent, its own, its own island right. or subdivision of our national grid. Uh, but it is a little bit more detailed and complicated than just thinking about the grid in terms of those three interconnects. There are what are called uh, regional uh, transmission organizations, RTOs, uh, and these are grid operators that are almost like a marketplace um, for generation and transmission companies to enter their assets into 
and then it really serves as almost like a, an energy market in a somewhat similar fashion to the New York Stock Exchanges for stocks. Uh, so Nolan, through its relationship with East Kentucky Power, our generation and transmission provider, is ostensibly a member of the PJM uh, RTO, uh, which operates a lot of the generation and transmission assets up in the northeastern corridor of the United States. I actually think that East Kentucky is the furthest southwest organization within PJM, and um, Nolan is almost the furthest southwest member of East Kentucky, so we're kind of right at the tip of the PJM system. Um, but that offers us uh, a lot of distinct advantages uh, because we are part of that system, and it is a way that you know generation assets and things like that can be can be used to shift power across significant regions that span several states, mm -hmm. rather than us only being able to get our electricity from you know a singular or one of very few generation resources only a few miles away. Well, and it helps with the price of it too, right? Yes. So we're able, um, I actually got to visit East Kentucky uh, last year, before COVID anyway, um, and watching them in real time see, okay, is it is it cheaper to buy up here? Is it cheaper? And really it, it helps us ultimately to get a better price on it because we have East Kentucky kind of brokering that. So, and it's not as much about security, but, but I, I just thought that was an interesting kind of piece of that too. Redundancy of services. Uh, if you're a member of PJM, you have some strict standards that you have to follow, many of which are related directly to security, whether that's physical security or cyber security. Uh, and then like you said, cost competitiveness. So it is oftentimes more uh, economically and financially viable for East Kentucky to purchase energy from the PJM marketplace rather than utilize their own generation resources to provide us electricity. Right. So that relationship benefits Nolan members in many ways, right. not the least of which is the ability to keep our rates lower. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of that's kind of the larger grid mm -hmm. and then also our space in it and, and why why and how we kind of fit into that larger network. And you mentioned some some regulations, some standards. Um, in the utility sector obviously there are some governing standards. Um, and that, again, helps to add to some of that security piece of it. Uh, so can you talk about some of those standards, some of those regulations that, that we fall under as part of the utility sector? Right. So one of the, uh, one of the more common and robust uh, security protocols that has to be followed in the supply chain is called NERC-CIP, C-I-P, which stands for Critical Infrastructure Protection. And that impacts all electric utility infrastructure of 100 kV and greater. Now, here at Nolin, uh, our assets are you know 12 kV assets. So our our plant specifically is not covered under NERC SIP, but a lot of East Kentucky's is, and a lot of the PJM system is. Uh, so it is definitely something that is important in our ability to get sustained electricity that we don't have to worry about as many reliability concerns. 
there are many very specific aspects of what NERCSIP means, uh, but for intents and purposes of this conversation, there are some very uh, detail-oriented things that a utility has to do in order to be able to maintain the physical and cyber security of its assets, whether it is fencing, developing uh, restricted areas uh, for its substations, whether it is having a lot of uh, cybersecurity provisions in place on its servers and the hardware and the electronics that power breakers and other electronic devices, then there's a lot of there's a lot of things of that nature that make that system very reliable. Because if you lose an asset of 100 kV or greater, you're talking about impacting tens of thousands of people. Um, so that that is why that is so significant. And then for us here at Nolin, because of our federal contracting relationship with Fort Knox, we I think are probably ahead of the curve. Uh, for our level of distribution utility because we have taken a lot of intentional steps related to NIST 800-53 protocols for maintaining our system and um, some of the training and the safety protocols that we have in place here to make sure that we keep our stuff protected from a network standpoint and from a cybersecurity standpoint. So there's big grid stuff, NERC SIP, and then there's things that we do here at NOLIN, NIST 800-53 related activity. that's uh, driven a lot by Fort Knox, but it helps our entire organization as a whole. Well, and I, I wanted to delve into that just a little bit. Obviously, we're not gonna, because of security, we're not gonna uh, dive too deeply into exactly what we do, but it, just in more general terms, um, kind of in layman's terms, what are some of the things that, that we do to help with the physical kind of security piece of the grid, uh, or at least our piece of it? Well, the first thing that you do, which is uh, very rudimentary, but if you got something important, you put a fence around it, right. maybe so people won't get in there, put a lock on it, right. good idea. Uh, but beyond that, we have a lot of surveillance and security cameras uh, that goes for some of our field assets. Um, certainly everything here at our headquarters campus, at our uh, Radcliffe office, and then as well as our Fort Knox office, and a lot of the generation facilities we have at Fort Knox. Um, so we have a lot of footage that we have a 24-hour dispatcher. He can watch that at any given time. Um, and we can also, that's recorded, we can play it back if something happens and we realize after the fact. And I mean, we've actually caught people stealing stuff here right. in the not too distant past, right. uh, partly because of being able to watch those cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are, those are some of the first steps that you take. Beyond that, um, we have some specific areas within the facility that have some uh, networking technology and hardware that really we do not need anybody having access to except for a few people. Those things are put on card access uh, so that they are really limited to the very few people who need to be in that room. So that's kind of the basic stuff that you do. Right. Um, 
we have contractors in and out of our building regularly, whether it's to work on HVAC system or uh, you know vendors who are meeting with an employee about something. There's people in and out of here all the time. 99.99% of them have no ulterior motive and there's nothing nefarious going on, but you never know when somebody is gonna present as one of those folks and comes in here with a different agenda and wants to do harm right. to what we're trying to achieve. So those are kind of the ways that we protect that stuff from a physical standpoint. And then so kind of on the flip side of that, um, you've kind of got that cyber piece of it. So um, regarding the outside physically, but in terms of kind of I mean, a lot of times when someone can get into a system, it's, it's through the cyber piece of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what kinds of things in general um, are we aware of then with that area? David Cox is our, uh, is our VP of IT. Great guy. I've learned so much from him in my career. I actually wanted him to come on this podcast. Uh, he was very comfortable with me speaking <laughs> about this stuff on his behalf, which I'm fine with too. But he is always telling me ransomware, which a lot of us are more aware of here lately because of some of the things that have happened across the country. He is always telling me that ransomware attacks are almost always the result of successful phishing campaigns against an organization's employees. And that is how the bad guys infiltrate the system. Because of that, we spend a, a significant amount of intentional time here doing training and awareness activities for our employees. Our IT team has a phishing campaign and all of us employees several times a month get emails oh, yeah. that are made to look extremely real and legitimate yes. to try to catch us doing something wrong. I've gotten really close, but not, I have not gotten caught yet, but I, I'm more worried about it. Well, the thing that I always think is a little bit comical is when uh, the IT team who sends these out catch themselves because they accidentally click on one. <laughs> Doesn't happen often, uh, but, but I always think it's a bit ironic. Regardless though, the intent is to keep us all aware right. and, and perpetually uh, understanding that these things could come in any form or fashion. Don't click on attachments. Don't open emails from people you don't know. Um, and if you err on the side of caution, right. that's okay. Yeah. We, that, is, that is a workplace inefficiency that we, can, we will deal with mm -hmm. if you're a little bit too cautious. Right. Uh, that's better than not being cautious enough. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've deleted emails from like legitimate emails from people, but it's like you said, better safe than sorry, right? I know of a couple of employees who have deleted legitimate emails from me right. because one of the most common ways that the bad guys will tee these emails up mm -hmm. is to submit them to an employee right. from the president or the CEO. Sure, and of course you want to read that. Yeah, You want to know right. exactly what he tells you to do. Right, yeah. but because uh, IT has been able to, in a good way, scare people around here, yeah. um, we're steering clear of that stuff by and large. Yeah. So, been very good, very proud of our IT team mm -hmm. for staying ahead of the curve and kind of being on the cutting edge of making sure that our employees who you know, quite frankly, the reason the bad guys attack people is because people are more vulnerable now right. than the actual systems themselves. Right. 
but our employees are showing some real resilience in combating this issue that has engulfed a lot of different companies around the country lately. Well, so we've talked about kind of the, the physical piece of it and the cyber um, in terms of no in, uh, but our members are a part of this with us as well. Um, any of our members can also be a part of helping to protect even the larger grid because of actions that they can take. So we can talk about that just a little bit before we wrap up. I think that the biggest thing that members can do, um, you know, our members don't have a direct network connection to our assets, right. but certainly things that would be important for us to know and understand is if our members become aware of anything that they think sounds like it might be a scam, um, that evokes no lin in any way, let us know immediately. Right. Now we've encountered these things in the past. I think lots of times it's it's related to uh, folks who get phone calls. Right, uh, like their bills due or whatever, right, yeah. From, from bad guys who purport to be us. Right. Um, and then in addition to that, it could be a shady looking email, um, text message, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If you get something from us uh, and it doesn't feel right, call us and let us know sure. and we will be able to verify for you if that is in fact related to us or if it's or if it's something shady. Exactly. Um, so scam, phishing campaign of any kind, steer clear of that stuff and let us know that way we can take some mitigation tactics immediately right. just to make sure that um, a member is not being negatively impacted under the guise of someone portraying to be us. Right. All right. Well, we've talked about a lot, and obviously, I, I guess the main thing we really wanted to get across is how seriously we take security here, grid security, um, cyber and physical, all of that. It's just something that is on our is on our minds all the time. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else as we wrap up that you want to make sure that that our members understand about about our role in keeping their power supply safe? It's very stressful managing this stuff from a cybersecurity and physical security standpoint, especially cybersecurity uh, now and into the future. It takes um, it takes a lot of effort to make sure that we are keeping up with the latest ways that the that the bad guys are um, are trying to stay ahead of us. So, you know, I've often said that if the if the folks who are really this good at being bad would just focus their efforts on being good, right. they'd make excellent employees. It would. Uh, it would. But they don't do that. Right. So we have to constantly guard against it. It is a challenge, um, and it is an imperfect science. Mm -hmm. But if we ever find ourselves on the short end of success here, it won't be for lack of effort, that much I know, because we spend a lot of time trying to stay ahead and keep up with mitigating these concerns. Well, thank you. Thanks for sharing your expertise and, and David's expertise. And thank you for joining us once again for Wire to Wire with Nolan RECC.